Hey, it's Pastor Mike. Before we get to today's episode, I want you to know that we at Time of Grace have a ton of resources to help you in your walk of faith. From our TV program, to daily devotions, to our Grace Talks video devotions, to podcasts, to our blog, to books, to other books, till still more books, uh, whatever you're looking for and however you best learn, you can stay rooted in Jesus by taking time out for God's word every day. If you're interested, just go to timeofgrace.org to sign up for our daily email. Now, on to today's episode. A few weeks ago, I asked our church a pretty dangerous question. The question was, if you had to give yourself a grade, how would you grade your prayer life? Now, some people told me that was a dangerous question because, you know, grading anything of our spiritual life is a good way to feel less than and guilty and unworthy of God's love. But I was pretty curious how the people at our church thought about these daily conversations with God that we call prayer. And so 159 brothers and sisters in the faith responded. They gave me their personal grades and the grades were, well, not great. C plus, pastor, someone admitted. C minus, pastor, maybe a B? D, D plus, D minus, C, C plus, four. <laughs> I wasn't sure what a, what a four meant, but people really confess that despite their passion for Jesus and the Bible, this connection with Father, they, they struggled with prayer. Some people admitted that they felt like they were babbling in prayer, their minds would get distracted in prayer, that that connection with God wasn't exactly what they wanted it to be. And in a way, I'm kind of glad they said that because for the longest time as a Christian, I've kind of felt the same way. And not just because I'm imperfect and I'm a sinful person with a sinful heart. Uh, the struggle that I have often felt is that prayer doesn't feel to me like many other parts of my spiritual life. I feel good about church. I feel great about reading the Bible at home. But I've never felt quite there with prayer. And that's why I'm so glad that Jesus showed me something in his teaching. Uh, soon after I gave that survey to God's people, uh, I came across this passage that helped me reframe the whole idea of prayer. And it's a passage I want to share with you from Matthew chapter 18. Here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said that if we want to be great in his kingdom, if we want to be great in faith, mature in prayer, that we should change, he says, and become like little children. Now, what exactly does that mean? Uh, in church about a month ago, I had a little child come up on stage with me. A little kid about five years old came up with his father and I asked the kid to take a running start and give Pastor Mike a high five. And so this little boy, <laughs> like a lot of the little boys you've met, he was really excited. He told me he was really good at jumping. But just before I counted to three and had him run, I lifted my hand about this high, went up on my toes, and the kid jumped and failed. And he looked up at me and said, I can't. So I gave him another try. And he revved the engine, I lifted up my hand, and he jumped and failed, and he said, I can't. And so I kind of crouched down and looked at this kid and I said, 
Is there any way you think that you could? And I pointed over his shoulder at his father. And he turned around to his dad and he lifted up his arms and his father lifted him up and boom, the high five happened. And that's exactly what I think Jesus is saying. What makes you and what makes me great at prayer, great in the kingdom of God? It's the simple admission like little children that we can't. If I think I can save myself, I can make up for my sin, I can handle this situation, I'm probably not going to talk to my father about it. But if like that little kid, I I see some big thing that I'm facing and I just turn around to God and say, "I, I can't. I need your help. That simple truth, that belief deep in your heart will make you constant in your conversation with God. Helpless people pray. That's the lesson Jesus taught me. It's what I want to pass on to you. People who know that they're helpless, like little children, pray. They talk to God. And as Jesus later said, whoever humbles themselves will be exalted, lifted up by the Father. So today, whether your personal grade is a D minus or a B plus or somewhere in between, I want you to remember that simple teaching from Jesus, helpless people pray. So change, become like a little child, and you might find yourself constantly talking to your Father in heaven. Let's pray. Uh, Jesus, we we can't, but you always can. You can lift us up and overcome obstacles, temptations, uh, and you can save us, the most important thing that we can't do. Thank you for hearing this prayer. Thank you that you love the lowly and the weak, the meek and the humble. We come to you just like that by the power of your spirit, asking you to do what we can't. That's why we pray. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Now that I'm almost 40 years old, I don't often ask my mother to buy me Cinnamon Toast Crunch. (laughs) Back in the day when I was a little kid and had zero dollars and zero cents to my name, I would ask my mother for good sugary cereal all the time. But now that I'm grown, well, I got my own money and I got my own car to drive to the grocery store. I'm not so dependent and helpless like I used to be. And it's the same when I'm in a crowd of people. Back when I was a little kid, I I probably couldn't see what was happening there, so I'd ask my dad, can you pick me up? But now, maybe as you can tell, I'm I'm not a little kid anymore. I'm six foot and change. Normally, I can see above every head in a crowd, so I don't have to ask my father for that. You know, one of the great things about getting older is that we can help ourselves. We lose our dependence on our parents. We can drive to our friends. We can do our job. We can go grocery shopping. We can see what we need to see. But that same dynamic that we're stronger and bigger and better can actually get in the way of a great prayer life. Yesterday, if you remember our message, we learned that helpless people pray. Jesus gave us these great words from Matthew chapter 18. He said, whoever takes the lowly position of a child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Now, little kids know that they can't, so they ask their parents for help. But maybe if you're a little bit older watching this video, it's easy to think that we can without the help of God. But what mature, great, amazing Christians know is that no matter how old, no matter how rich, no matter how big and how strong we get, we are always constantly dependent on the blessing and goodness of God. Let me give you just one simple example. Let's think of your next conversation. 
I'm guessing you've had a couple conversations in your life. You talk, you listen. <laughs> then you talk and you listen. You have a cup of coffee, you, you talk to your friends, you talk to your coworkers, you, you talk to your neighbors. But think about this. How many things could go really, really right in your next conversation? And how many things could go really, really wrong? And how much of either of those options are totally out of your control? Like, have you ever had a conversation with a family member that like started good and then somehow spun out of control and voices were raised and feelings were hurt and sin happened and things were tense for the rest of the night? After all those conversations, like things just went off the rails. Or have you had a, ever had a conversation that started normally and ended up spiritually? You're just talking about life, catching up with a neighbor, connecting with a friend, and suddenly God opened a door and <laughs> you're driving home? Like, how, how did that happen? We started talking about God and faith and forgiveness and Jesus, right? Conversations are incredible. They can do amazing things for better or for worse. And that's why, even though you've had a million conversations before, Jesus wants you to know that you are still helpless and you're still dependent. In fact, before we turned on the cameras for this video, I wrote myself a big note on the top of my script, you are helpless. <laughs> it doesn't matter how many videos you make, the words aren't going to come out right or people won't pay attention or they'll say, I watched it and then they'll move on without taking it to heart. I really need God to bless me and to bless you for this conversation to work. And so here's what I want to encourage you to do today. Pray about the stuff you're already good at. Do you know how to lead a meeting at work? You're still helpless. Pray for God's blessing. Do you know how to drive the route from your home to your school? Pray about it. You're still dependent on God's blessing. Have you preached before, taught a classroom with kids before, had a conversation with your own kids before? Listen, that, that next conversation might be off the charts with blessing if God blesses it. So let's remember to never stop being like children. With every situation, every conversation, to look up to our Heavenly Father and say, I, I can't, but with your help, I can. Bless me. In Jesus' name. Let's pray. Uh, God, we need you uh, for messages to get through to our friends, to communicate clearly everything. God, we are constantly dependent on you. But we know that you're a good Father. We know that you love to hear the sound of our voice and, and you have encouraged us, even commanded us to pray. So hear our prayers, bless us, and use your almighty strength to make this world a better place. We pray in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. A few years ago, I heard about a pretty popular pastor who once picked up the bulletins in his megachurch. After thousands of people came to hear him preach on Sunday, the church was hosting a midweek conference and the pastor, who I'm sure was busy with things to do, walked by the church sanctuary and noticed all of these old programs and bulletins left behind. And so what did he do? He started to pick them up. First one, then another, then a third. Then he found himself going row by row and aisle by aisle. And in the middle of the process, the pastor admitted that a thought popped into his mind. A thought he wasn't incredibly proud of. The thought was, I hope someone sees this. Now, he wasn't going to sound a trumpet 
and make sure the whole staff saw this humble work that he was doing. But he kind of hoped that someone would walk by the doors of the church, peek inside and say, Pastor, is that you doing that? Ah, yes, the human heart. Have you noticed yet in your Christian life that doing the right thing is pretty hard, but doing the right thing for the right reason is even harder? Giving generously to the poor or to Christian ministry without being noticed, that's hard. Doing the right thing at our school, at our workplace, without tooting our own horn, that's really hard. Serving our parents, or our siblings, or our spouse, doing something on their chore list without calling great fanfare and attention, oh my goodness, that is incredibly hard. I know in my own home, uh, my wife tends to take care of the laundry that's on her chore list, but if I'm up late and I you know, switch the loads of laundry around and then I fold them, it's pretty common that I make sure to take the laundry basket and put it right on the kitchen table so she sees it and notices uh, the human heart. You know, Jesus, 2,000 years ago, knew that you and I would struggle with this. We might pray and we might give, but it would be tempting for us to do the right thing for the wrong reason. That's why in Matthew chapter 6, our Savior says these words. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. God promises great reward for people who do the right things for the right reason. There are no prizes in the kingdom of God for pretenders, for hypocrites for people who take God's blessings and use them just to get human praise. So if you struggle with this, like I often do, Jesus says, do the right thing and don't tell anyone about it. If getting attention and needing people's praise is your temptation and you find yourself falling into it, then then don't post on Facebook or Instagram your Bible next to your cup of coffee. Don't tell friends how great it's going when you do this or that or that. Instead, Jesus said, if you want a spiritual reward, just pray between you and God. And when you do, you will get something better than the praise of seven billion people. If every human being on the planet could see what you're doing, if they had some Facebook account, if they liked and shared and commented, this is amazing, I needed that, how good would that feel? Jesus says, not as good as having the attention the praise and the reward of just one, of your Father, who sees what is done in secret. So brothers and sisters, let's do the right thing, motivated by the love of Jesus and content that God's presence and attention are all that our hearts truly need. Let's do the right thing for the right reason. Your Father sees, He knows, and He will reward. Let's pray. Dear God, As we've been learning this week, uh, we're helpless without your blessing. There are so many things that motivate us in our hearts, some good, some bad, and we need your help to say yes to the one and no to the others. So please send your Holy Spirit, fill us with humility, and help us to trust and treasure your attention, your presence, and your reward. 
We pray this with confidence as your forgiven and loved children. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, I would like to share with you my impression of the average American kid trying to talk to the average American dad. You ready for it? Hey, dad. 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 Daddy. Dad. Hey, dad. Dad, can I? Daddy, daddy. Here's the father. What? <laughs> so, what do you think? <laughs> Did I nail it? Yeah, we live in a world with all the devices and their effects on our brains where it's pretty hard to get someone's full attention. Did you know 2,000 years ago when Jesus was teaching us about how to pray, he knew that many of us would be tempted to think of our Father in heaven like the average father in America. Let me prove it to you from Matthew chapter 6. Jesus said in verse 7, And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. You know, in the Greek culture, the pagan people that Jesus is referring to thought that the gods like Poseidon and Zeus and Aphrodite were busy and so you didn't want to bother them. So to get their attention, Jesus said, you had to use many words. Dad, 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 Zeus, Zeus, Zeus. You were annoying and you had to earn their attention. But Jesus says that there's another way to think about God. Not as some distant deity who's too busy to be bothered by you, but as Jesus said, as your Father in heaven. And I want to say that to especially a certain type of you who are watching today. Some of you struggle with what Jesus talked about earlier in Matthew chapter 6. You love the attention of people. You might be a pretty confident person, you're not afraid to pray in front of other people and you kind of get sucked into needing other people's attention and approval. Others of you, however, can't imagine doing that. But what you can imagine is thinking that maybe you're bothering God. Maybe the God who knows all of your weaknesses and your worries, how often you feel anxious and down, how quickly you forget his promises, how easily you fall into your weakness and sin, Maybe a God like that isn't interested in a person like you. you know, especially after you ever tried to pray right after you sin. And you think, who, who am I to be talking to God? Well, what's the expression on God's face? Like, well, five seconds ago, you were rebelling against me and now you want my help? It's so easy to think that we need a lot of words to get God's attention to persuade him to bless us despite all of our flaws. And if that struggle with your connection to the Heavenly Father is real, listen to Jesus. He said, Do not be like the pagans, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Your Father, Jesus says. The reason that Jesus Christ lived for you and died for you and rose from the dead is so that if you have faith in him, if you are a son or daughter of God, you can call God your father. And good fathers don't make their kids earn their attention. When I sit down at the bedside of my two daughters, they don't have to submit a three-page essay with 2,000 words to get me to listen. They just talk. And because I love them, I listen. 
And think, God is infinitely better than I am as a dad. I'm I'm fallen and frail and weak and distractible. So if I feel that way about my kids, imagine, imagine how God feels about his kids. So Jesus says, don't, don't babble. Don't worry. Don't think that you have to annoy God until he breaks down and pays attention. Instead, just talk to him as your father. And remember that because of Jesus, you are his dear child. And if you ever forget that lesson, just pray the Lord's Prayer. You know, it's actually right after this teaching that Jesus gives us the Lord's Prayer. In my Bible, it's pretty short. It starts here and it ends there. I think in the original Greek version, there are 57 words that you could probably pray in about 10 seconds. And maybe Jesus was trying to prove his point. He gave us a prayer that wasn't a billion words long to get God's attention, but something short and sweet as dear children talking to their dear father. Remember that and you will tap into the amazing privilege and power of prayer. Let's pray. Dear Father, I'll keep it short today. You know exactly what we need, each of us. So may your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever wondered why God doesn't answer some of your best prayers? When I think about all the things that we talk to God about, I recognize that not everything we pray for is objectively good and great and should be approved of by God. All right, if I'm going on vacation and I'm praying, please God, no clouds, no rain, no storms. I finally have a week off, let it be good. But I recognize that at the same time, there's a farmer who's praying for clouds and rain and his crops, right? If God says no to my prayer, I, I get it. Or if I'm lining up for that penalty kick in the big soccer game <laughs> and I'm 12 yards out and I'm praying, please, Jesus, let, let me put this in the back of the net. But if a goalie is a man of faith, what's he praying for? Yeah, the exact opposite. And a bunch of your prayers are like that too. It's okay to pray about it, but we kind of get if God would say, okay, not today, not that. What I think is much more difficult to understand is why God doesn't immediately say yes to the best prayers. Like when you and I pray for justice, when we pray for things to be fair, When we pray for our world to be free from chauvinism and racism and sexism and ageism, when we pray for governments and judges to make good decisions, when we pray for bad people who break the law to not get away with it because of some bribe or some loophole in the system, and when we pray for good people to be protected, for children to be raised in safe environments, When we ask God for things to be good and and right and fair at school and at work and in the world, and then we look at another day's headlines and realize it isn't. It doesn't seem fair. You know, this kid didn't do anything wrong, but because of dad's anger or mom's struggle with alcohol, the kid suffers. And this person didn't do anything wrong, but because of bias and and prejudice and racism, that they're suffering, sometimes tragically. You go to court for the custody hearing, but the, the judge doesn't have all the evidence, didn't hear all the words, and now the decision isn't, it's, it's not right and it's not fair. Or a rumor starts and you, you didn't even do anything wrong, 
but people grabbed onto it and they spread it or they read between the lines of your email and, and misunderstood and trashed your reputation. Like, well, why, if there is a God who runs everything, who has the power to, to stop injustice right now, if Jesus could come back today and fix it and end it, why, when we pray for justice and fairness, doesn't it happen? And there's actually a spot in the Bible where Jesus addressed that very thing. In his day, life wasn't fair either. The Romans were running the show. They had power and control and they put up crosses and put those who rebelled on them. The guys who were running the church were not holy. They were hypocrites. Tax collectors would take your money and they could get away with it. And so people cried out to God for justice, but justice didn't seem to come. So in a really important teaching from Luke chapter 18, Jesus said these words. Will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, God will see that they get justice and quickly. I love that verse. God will bring justice for his people. If you're a child of God through faith in Jesus Christ, if you're one of his chosen ones and you're crying out to God day and night, fix this God. I can't fix this, but you can. I need your help. God will not put you off forever. In fact, from Jesus' perspective of time, quickly you will get justice. He will return and the world will be made right. But Jesus' teaching kind of begs another question. Why not just do it today? If God hates injustice more than I do and more than you do, why doesn't Jesus just come back before I'm done talking? Now, the answer to that question is simple. Because God loves people. I think of the young woman I had coffee with the other day. She told me that she had been reading the Bible for the first time. And she showed me the pages with the highlight and the underline. She talked to me about grace and about Jesus. She told me about the old sins that knew her name, her drug addiction and her promiscuous lifestyle. And she said, Pastor, I, I just don't want to do that anymore. And I want to read this book and I want to tell everyone about it. And she didn't understand what was happening to her, but, but maybe you do. God had found her and opened her eyes and forgiven her and saved her. And my point is, if Jesus had come back a year ago, if he had saved us from all the drama of this past year, what would have happened to that woman that God loved so much? She would have been holding on to her sin instead of Jesus. She would have been lost. And, and so God waited. The lesson here is that God is saving people. Every day, he, he is finding his chosen people and turning them through faith into his children. And so we, as Christian people, wait. The headlines break our hearts like they break the heart of God, but we are willing to wait as God saves us and our friends, our children, our grandchildren, our neighbors, more and more people until the timing is perfectly right and Jesus returns. So friends, until that day, keep praying, keep trusting. Don't give up on justice and don't give up on Jesus. He's coming soon and all things will be made new. Let's pray. Uh, dear God, we need patience. Uh, waiting is not our superpower. And when life is difficult and we don't get you, it's so easy to turn on you. 
and to start believing that you don't care or you don't love us or you're not in control. Help us not to believe those lies, but instead to trust that you are doing your saving work. You are bringing people to faith every single day, people who will be saved not just from a few years of suffering, but people who are saved for forever in your presence. Help us to trust that that is an amazing exchange and it's worth waiting for. We pray this and we pray that you would help us in our prayers in the days to come. We ask this all, Jesus, in your beautiful name. Amen.